Awesome. Thanks, man. PJ. Love it. <laughs> yeah, keep your hand raised high so our ushers can see you. We're going to be taking communion uh, at the end of service. Good morning. Ah, uh, so great to see you. Didn't the praise and worship team do a great job leading this and worshiping God through music? Thank you so much. <laughs> we're actually at the end of November. We're going to be losing these guys. Boo! They're moving. They're moving. And uh, but Sean and Amanda have been great, and uh, we're going to miss you guys. But we're we got, we got, we got them for two more months. Two more months. So that morning, you might have four flat tires, just so you know, before you go. But, uh, <laughs> but it's great to see you guys. Welcome to New Life Patterson. My name is Jeremy. I'm the campus pastor here for this location of New Life Christian Center. And so I always like to introduce myself. And you just saw uh, Pastor Tito, Miss Anna is our kids director, for those of you uh, who may be visiting with us for the first time. And so I uh, just wanted to uh, mention briefly, don't forget about our newcomers luncheon. If you've been attending New Life Patterson for six months or less, then we have a luncheon immediately following service. So give our kids team about 30 minutes to check out the kiddos. Uh, so we hang out in here for the first few minutes and then we'll go over there and we'll have lunch together just so we can get to know you a little bit better. You can get to know us. I think we have uh, between, uh, we have about 26, 27 people uh, that have registered for that, but you don't have to register. If you're here and you say, oh my gosh, I forgot to register, then we just want you to come on over, okay? We've, we've got enough food uh, for everybody. So we just wanted to remind everybody about that. Also, this year, we're doing our very first Harvest Fest. So we, the, the Turlock campus have been doing this for years and years. And so I sit down with Pastor Dave and Pastor Brett and said, hey, look, the, at the rate that our campus is growing, we probably need to do our own uh, things uh, like that moving forward. So we're going to do our own Harvest Fest here this year. It's going to be on Sunday, October the 30th. We don't have all of the uh, details to that yet, but we are going to do a trunk retreat. And so we want you to be super creative. Pastor Brett said he's bringing his motorcycle and doing something with that. I don't know if he's going to do a trunk or treat out of a motorcycle. But guess what? If anybody can do it, Pastor Brett can. So he's going to figure it out. So um, we're going to have some sign-up sheets for that later on. And we're ha we, we'll have... Um, uh, some hay bales here, and we have some face painting and some food trucks, uh, but it's going to be great. Okay, so make sure you mark that on your calendar for Sunday, um, October the 30th from, from 5 to 7 p.m. here in our parking lot. And also, um, if you uh, came prepared to give, we just want to say thank you for doing that. There's four different ways you can give back to God through New Life, and you can either do that physically here uh, at our giving stations before you go out the door at the end of our service, or you can do it through the app, which is super easy. Janet and I started doing that about four years ago. Uh, before then, we still like to write checks. You know, I don't know if any of you uh, like the old school way of giving back to God, but I just loved that physical surrender uh, from me to, uh, uh, to, to the Lord uh, in the form of a check. And so, but uh, four years ago, Janet was gone doing something. And I said, let me try this thing, this giving through the app. And I was like, we're not going back. This is super easy. And that's the way we've been doing it since. But you can give through the app. You can give through the website or you can mail that in. But however you decide uh, to give back to the Lord, we just want to say thank you so much for, you, uh, for your uh, support and for catching the vision that, that we have here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we gave you a statistic that, that we, uh, about a year ago, that we were, about, we were bringing in about 30% of our weekly budget. And over the course of the last few months, that's gone up to about 60%. But just in the last three weeks, we've seen that number go up to about 70%. So people are being obedient. So thank you so much for doing that. <clears throat> we really appreciate that. Hey, Exodus chapter 20. 
Exodus chapter 20, we are beginning a brand new series. This is our 2022 fall series. Every year we pick a fall series, and we've been looking forward to this one for many, many months. Uh, Pastor Dave and I, we get together in September and October of the previous year, and we start planning out our series for the next year. And so when we came up with this one last year, we felt like God was really directing us uh, to do this one on guardrails, dissecting the Ten Commandments. And so that's what we're going to be doing uh, for the next uh, little while. But I'm telling you what, I, I'm, I'm liking this cooler weather. Are you guys liking fall? All right. I told Jan, I said, I know it's still 86 degrees, but it's still, it, there's a sense of it being October, right? Which for me means this, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Yes. Yeah. I'm a big Christmas nut. Just so if you, uh, the newer people were thinking, who is this crazy guy? I love Christmas. All right. So last year it was uh, December 23rd, December 23rd. I woke up, I think it was a Thursday morning and I woke up and still had my pajamas on and my Christmas socks, you know, those big thick ones that make your feet sweat, but you don't care. You wear them anywhere. And so I knew it was, so that morning it was about 51, 52 degrees and it was raining. So it was this cold drizzle rain that you, you look outside and you're like, oh, today is going to be Christmas movies and hot chocolate, like all day long, right? It's one of those days. So that morning, Seth come up to me, my, my second son, and he said, hey, you know, I have to work today. And he worked at, at the Livermore Outlets. And uh, his car at the time was getting some transmission uh, stuff done to it. And he said, can I take your car? And I said, yeah, sure. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere today. I'll be here drinking hot chocolate all day. So takes my car and he, and, he, and he leaves. And about 30 minutes later, my phone rings. And uh, those of you that have parents know that your, your phone rings different, right? When there's an issue on the other, especially when it's your kids and you just have this instinct. And so I looked down and I saw Seth and I'm like, this for some reason doesn't feel good, you know? So I answered the phone and, uh, and he was on the other line and I said, Hey buddy, what, what's up? He's like, dad, uh, I was just in an accident. I'm like, okay. And then I asked the, the question that all of us as parents ask our kids when they're in an accident, which is, no, how's my car? <laughs> I knew he was okay or he wouldn't be calling me, right? <laughs> so once I heard his voice, all right, he's fine. How's my car? Well, I can't go anywhere and it's, it's immobile. So uh, I'm just kidding. I asked if he was okay, just so you know. <laughs> So I said, where are you at? I'll come get you. So I went and picked him up. And so I noticed that the damage was like to all four corners. I was like, how in the world did this happen? You know, how come there's no other damage? To the He's like, well, so I was going around. So we're five uh, inter intersects with 580. You guys know that curve, right? I was going around the curve. It started hydroplaning. I went right into the guardrail, went right into that that concrete barrier, and then it ping-ponged him back to the other side, and then to the other side, and then to the other side. Luckily, he was okay, right? And luckily, he, no one else was involved. It was on the 23rd of December, and I guess no one wanted to go into town that day. But there was no other cars involved, and he was okay. So this weekend, we're kicking off our series, like I said, guardrails. We're over the next eight weeks, we're going to be breaking down the Ten Commandments. So there's only eight weeks, there's Ten Commandments, so we're going to be combining some of these, okay? But we're also going to see how these apply to us. This was a set of rules and guidelines that God gave to the nation of Israel. So what does that mean for us in 2022? So a quick history of the Ten Commandments. The Israelites have been rescued from slavery in Egypt by God through Moses and then taken into the desert. 
taken into the wilderness. The commandments were just a small portion of all of these rules and regulations and commandments and law that God had given them called the Mosaic law. Uh, Maybe you've heard of it called just the law along with many other laws given to the nation of Israel. So they were governed by these laws. They were asked to obey these laws. And so the new covenant of Jesus and his sacrifice that we get to celebrate actually replaced the covenant of the law. Now, just a side note, the old law wasn't abolished by Jesus. It was just fulfilled. Even Jesus himself said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. And that's a message for another time because there's a lot that goes into that. But I just wanted to make sure I didn't communicate that the Old Testament was null and void at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So why the term guardrail for this series? Why the term guardrails? What do guardrails in the Ten Commandments have in common? Well, first let's look at the definition of a guardrail. The definition of a guardrail is this. A system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Did you get that? A system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous and off-limit areas. Now, I could stop right there just with the definition, and you're smart enough to make the connection. A guardrail is a system designed to keep an object, or in our case, us, from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Guardrails are designed mainly for two reasons, for, for two distinct purposes, for direction and for protection, for direction and for protection. When we're driving, when you and I are driving and we see a guardrail, we can automatically assume that someone is trying to protect us from something or someone's trying to direct us to or away from somewhere. Maybe it's a dangerous cliff. Maybe it's an, a, a, a dangerous edge or loose gravel or oncoming traffic, a bridge, something like that. Guardrails are for protection and for direction. Maybe you've heard about the experiment of the elementary school playground where the boundary fence on the playground was temporarily removed from the property. And when all the kids came out for recess, they looked and saw that the barrier was gone. And so they all huddled up against the wall of the school. They would not go out and play on the playground. We give our teenagers curfews. Why? Because we're smarter than them. Even though they think they're smarter than us, we are smarter than they are. We know what happens late at night, don't we, parents? And it's a parent's responsibility to watch over our children. It's my responsibility to create guardrails for my kids. Because you won't find a guardrail in a safe zone. Guardrails separate the safe zone from the danger zone. Yes, insert Kenny Loggins right there, if if you like. So why are we talking about this now? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that the highway isn't the only place that we need guardrails in our lives. Just turn on the news, jump on your social media feeds for about five minutes, and you'll see that our culture and our world is getting more and more messed up. Our morals and our values and even some of our common sense have been completely thrown out the window. We listen to people say stuff on TV or on the internet, and we stop and say, what? (laughs) What did they just say, and how did they get there? Because culture doesn't encourage guardrails. Culture is more concerned with and encourages the painted lines. Culture says, get as close to the edge as you want because you should do you. Do what makes you happy. If it feels good, then do it. There are no absolutes. Those morals and those values that you've learned about all your life, those are kind of gray areas. It's not to be taken too specifically or too literally. 
You see, culture looks at our morals that are meant to protect us and direct us as more of guidelines than guardrails. And that's not how or why God gave these to us. You see, culture says things like this, drink responsibly. Okay, what's that mean? Because your responsible and my responsible may be two different things. Culture also says, don't have sex until you're, quote, ready instead of married. Now, I know a 16 or 17-year-old boy didn't come up with this because if you go up to a 17-year-old boy and say, don't have sex until you're ready, they're going to say, I'm ready, right? We know teenage testosterone. And the culture always also says this, just listen to your heart. Just listen to your heart. Let your heart guide you. What's your heart telling you? No, don't do that. You've heard me say this before. Don't listen to your heart. Because the prophet Jeremiah says this in chapter 17, verse 9 in the Old Testament. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. And desperately, what? Wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? <laughs> and then look, look at this in Mark 7, chapter, or chapter 7, 21 through 23. For from within, out of a person's heart... Come evil thoughts and sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. You know who said that? Jesus. <laughs> so no, don't always go by what your heart is leading you into. It's better to say, you know what? What's my spirit speaking to me? What does is, what is my gut say? That instinct. Guardrails. I think most of us can look back at some regrets that we have in our life, like all of us can, and think, man, if I only had stronger guardrails, then I wouldn't have, you fill in the blank. If I only had stronger financial guardrails, if I only had stronger moral guardrails, if I only had stronger relational or professional guardrails, I probably wouldn't have done that or said that. Well, moving forward, we can. If we can follow a set of guardrails for our lives so that we can live a life of freedom in Christ, then let's do that. If we can read in scripture about God's plan for us and how he intended to direct us and protect us, then let's do that. After all, God's plan, you've heard this, you've heard this said from this platform many times, God, God's plan is always better than our plan. God's ways are always higher than our ways. The Ten Commandments were given by God as guardrails for his followers, a guide of protection and safety and direction that included all the aspects of our life, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally, professionally. All of those components lie inside of those Ten Commandments, if you look for it. Specifically for the nation of Israel, because at the time that the law was given, they had, been, they had no guide for how to live their lives and stay connected in a relationship with Jehovah God, who had just rescued them from four centuries of slavery, 440 years of being in captivity. But in the covenant between God and his people, this is now their compass. These laws are now their compass, their compass of protection and their compass of really, if you think about it, really for freedom. And you think freedom, Pastor Jeremy, how can, they were just in captivity for 440 years and now they're in the desert. That's their freedom. No, no, no. Can you imagine just doing whatever you want? Now you're free? No, there's still a, there's still a standard. There's still some guidelines that God needs to give them to protect them and watch over them. But when you listen to the Ten Commandments, it's easy to think, man, this sounds like the opposite of freedom. This, these sound like a bunch of rules and bondage. Really? Well, let's see how many you know. 
Because the average American who thinks that the Ten Commandments were given to take fun out of life can only name three. The average American who thinks that the Ten Commandments are just a bunch of rules and bondage can only name three. Can you guess what those three are? Steal, kill, adultery. Those are the three. You say, okay, wait, you just said that you think the Ten Commandments are to keep you in bondage, but you can only name three. What about the other seven? But think of it like this. If a military platoon is about to go into combat, we have a lot of veterans in here, and I love our veterans. If they're about to go into combat through the forest, and the commanding officer gave them a booklet titled this, 10 Ways to, st to, to Stay Safe and Come Out Alive. Everybody in that platoon is going to have that entire booklet memorized, right? That's what God was doing. God was saying, I'm going to give you these 10 commandments along with some of these other laws, and they're to protect you. So memorize these. Hold them sacred to your heart because I need to give you some direction. So what are the 10 commandments? Let's see if they sound like a set of bondage and rules. Number one, no other God before me. Number two, don't make any false God or bow down before anything that you've created. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie against your neighbor. And don't covet anything of your neighbors. Those don't sound like rules to me. This, to me, it sounds like some good morals and values. If you ask me, I mean, a strong moral and holy compass that will keep us from straying away from God and keep us rooted and grounded in him. Things that will keep our focus on God and his righteousness rather than us and our selfishness. So what does that mean for us? How are these guardrails, these 10 commandments still relative to us in 2022? Although they were written for a very specific group of people for a very specific time, there are certainly some eternal principles that directly apply to us. So let's read them from scripture. We're gonna be in Exodus chapter 20. We're gonna read verses one through five and then seven and then 12 through 17. And it says this, then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Did you hear that, Seth? Honor your father and mother. I just want to, you know, yeah, we see you, yeah. You must not steal. You must not commit adultery. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not murder. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Again, these were the Ten Commandments given to the nation of Israel as a true north morality compass. But for today, we're going to focus on number one and number two. You must not have any other God before me and don't create any other gods to worship other than me. So how does this apply to us? Here are a few ways. If you're taking notes, write this down for number one. God demands to be first in my life. God demands to be first in my life. Now, this isn't hard to process. This isn't hard to dissect. In fact, when I talk to people here at New Life and others in the community, this is one of the things that we are convicted about the most because there are lots of things in our life that we unintentionally put before our relationship with God. 
Things like money, our time, our career, our relationships, our family, our extracurricular activities, our addictions, even sometimes for students, your school. All of these things can sneak up on us. And before we know it, God has taken a back seat to any one of these things. They're super important to us. We all get that. We all know that. But are we loving them so much? Are we putting them in an importance so high that we've allowed them to push God over to the side? We get this. and We know this, but we still allow it to happen. And instead of making a life change or responding in a way that's spiritually healthy, we can tend to react with resistance and push back when we hear messages like this. We start coming up with all kinds of reasons and excuses as to why some of these things are first in our life instead of God. But look what Jesus said would happen in our lives if we just focus on him and intentionally put him first in everything that we do. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things? What things is Jesus talking about? Well, in the previous verses, 25 through 32, Jesus tells us not to be anxious about our lives. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. The birds don't worry and they have enough. The lilies in the field, they don't worry. They have enough. And since God cares so much more about us than he does the birds and the lilies, God is your provider. God will add these things to your life as long as you put him first. Seek first the kingdom and these things will be added to your life. Put God first. You must, you must not have any other God but me. God wants to be first in our life to protect us from ourselves and to direct us to completely follow and pursue him. These first two guardrails keep us from straying too far away from God. They keep us from that danger zone and in that safe zone. When we begin to put other gods or other things before Jehovah God, our lives seem to, has the potential to get all messed up very quickly. We, we see a mismanagement in our time. How many of us go to bed at night and think, man, I felt like I was so busy today, but I don't feel productive at all. I don't feel like anything got done, much less spend time with God. I didn't read scripture. I didn't pray. I didn't do some of these spiritual disciplines that I wanted to do. It's because we are out of balance. We're out of alignment. And all of a sudden, all these things, stuff has circumvented God in our lives. And we've lost track of time. We've, our, our time is mismanaged. We have dysfunction in our relationships. We feel the stress and pressure from our jobs and our careers without realizing that, like I said, our lives are out of balance because we've forgotten who our lives really belong to and who's ultimately in control. God wants to be first in our lives. And I love that God began speaking to the nation of Israel by saying this, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery. This is God reminding his children that he's a good God that he has their best interest in mind, that he still has a plan and a way for them, that they can still believe in him, that they can still trust him, that these commandments aren't a bunch of do's and don'ts, but instead they can truly see, they can truly see these commandments as safety and freedom because he loves them. Think of it like your wedding vows, those of you who are married. When, when a couple stands before God, when they stand before their family and their friends, they begin reciting those vows of richer and poor, love and cherish until death separates them. 
They understand that they're committing to this one person to love them, to comfort them, to honor them in good times and in bad, and being willing to forsake all others for this one person for the rest of their whole life. If they don't really love each other, if they don't really know each other and aren't in a genuine relationship, it would be quite burdensome to stand before that person, look them in the eye and make this vow, right? But because they are in a genuine relationship, because they do know the person, they joyfully make their vows. And this is the vow that God is making to the nation of Israel then and the one that he made through Jesus for us today. At the end of the service, we're going to celebrate that vow by taking communion. God's commitment to us is true. To the nation of Israel, have no other God in your life except for me. And to believers today, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross in our place for all our sin. By putting our faith and belief and trust in Jesus Christ, we're making a commitment. We're making a vow to have no other God before him. But that's often where we fail. We fail in that commitment. We fail in that vow because we're human and we're going to mess up. We're going to do things. We're going to unintentionally put things before God. And that's where sometimes uh, we sometimes allow things and jump ahead of God in our lives. And so there's a couple of things that, that happen in our lives. There's a couple of things that happen when we put small g gods before Jehovah God. The first thing is we dishonor God. We dishonor him. God is the supreme being in all the universe, and our ultimate purpose in this one life that, we begin, that we've been given is to glorify him. He is the one and only God. And when we honor anything else ahead of God, we dishonor him. Ultimately, when we're trusting anything ahead of God, listen to this, when we trust anything else ahead of God, we're basically saying this, God, I don't trust you to be good, and I don't think that you are good. I need to trust in this. I need to trust in something else to provide for the needs that I have. And when we do that, we really hurt ourselves. That's another thing that happens when we put things in front of God. We dishonor God and we hurt ourselves. It hurts us when we have other gods before the one true God. It hurts us because we're trusting in something that's inferior to God. It hurts us because of our stuff has now become our God. We're trusting in something that can't provide for us like God can. We're trusting in something that leads us away from the one who's able to meet all of our needs and lead us to a life of freedom. And the thing is, we will experience some type of pleasure in whatever we've replaced God with in that small G God, but we're really heading towards a path of pain and disappointment and hurt in the long run. It's always best to keep God first place in our lives. It honors him and it benefits us for eternity. Matthew 6, 24, this is Jesus talking. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. And the word for money here is possessions. Translation, you can't worship God and your stuff. You have to choose because God said, I demand to be first. You'll find freedom in putting me first. There's protection and direction and guidance in putting me first. So what are some disciplines? What are some things that we can do to ensure that we don't put other things before God so that we can experience the fullness of life that God has given us here on earth? First, write this down for number two. I will commit 
to putting God first. I will commit to putting God first. Now, here's four disciplines, four things that we can do, four disciplines that we can put into our lives to make sure that we are in check mode, that nothing comes before God. Number one, be in God's word. Be in God's word. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. You see, when we're in God's word, we're going to be able to recognize lies from culture. We're going to be able to recognize the truth of God. When we're, when we're in God's word and facing trouble, we'll know that Jesus said to expect trouble in this life. John 16, 33, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The world. You see, when we are in God's word and facing evil circumstances, the things that are just plain bad, We'll also know if we're in God's word that Romans 8.28 says, in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. If we're in God's word and facing persecution, we'll know that Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We'll know those things because we're in God's word. Discipline number two, be in fellowship. So discipline number one, we're in God's word. Discipline number two, be in fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You see, the author of Hebrews reminds us of God's faith, faithfulness. And if we're going to continue to trust Jesus, we need to be in fellowship with one another so that we can receive, so that I can receive encouragement from you during my difficult times and you can receive encouragement from me during your difficult times. And then both of us can stay focused on the Lord. So discipline number one, be in God's word. Discipline number two, be in fellowship. Discipline number three, be a servant. Romans 7, 6 says this, but now we have been released from the law for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. We can better focus on him as we serve him and serve others. When we serve God and serve others, we're growing. When we serve God and serve others, we're maturing in Jesus. And Jesus modeled this serving for us. Look what he said in, 10, in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we're not serving, we're going to have trouble keeping God first because Jesus served. So discipline number three be a servant. The last discipline, discipline number four. Remember, these are disciplines to keep your life in check, to make sure that things aren't jumping ahead of God being first in your life. Number four, be generous. Be generous. When we give of our resources, it helps us for that not to be a God in our life. The more we have, the more we should give away. The more we give away, the more we'll be set free from the bondage of materialism. 
And I know that everyone's mind automatically goes to finances when we hear the word generosity, and it should, but I'm also talking about our time and our talents. Are we being generous and putting God first with what we're surrendering and trusting to Jesus in all the areas of our lives? It's easy to get caught up in the trap of saying, well, I'm generous with my time that I give to God. I'm generous with my gifts and my skill sets and my abilities that I've surrendered to God. Those aren't little G gods in my life, Pastor Jeremy. God is number one in those areas. But my resources, I need to hold on a little tighter to those. And that's the one God is saying, nope. I demand to be first in that one too. Because that's really, really important to you. And I need to be first in your resources as well. So four disciplines to practice to keep God first in our lives. Be in God's word, be in fellowship, be a servant, and be generous. Now, with that being said this morning, it's important for us to remember that salvation is not about keeping rules. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't work your way into a relationship with Jesus. It's all about a relationship. It's because of the relationship that we have with a God who is good that we should want to glorify him and do the things that bring him glory. It's because of this amazing relationship that we have with Jesus that we shouldn't want anything else to come before him. Perhaps you've been living with other gods in your life. Perhaps there's things that you think about right now when you're thinking about kind of that list that we gave earlier to say, yep, some of those things are actually have actually circumvented God in my life. So what is it? Or what are they? Some of us may have more than one that we put before God. Remember this guardrail that God put in our lives to have no other gods before him and to worship only him is for our freedom, not for our bondage. Freedom in him. Freedom from our own self-destructive behavior because you and I know we can't we can't take care of us. <laughs> I don't do a good job of taking care of me. I need God to take care of me for protection and for direction. Because we all face a daily temptation to replace him with something, don't we? We all face the daily temptation to put someone before God. Putting too much trust in our spouses, put, putting too much trust in our kids, putting way too much trust in our employer to take care of all of our needs. And God's saying, no, that's good that you trust them, but for eternal provision, I should be your God, which is why we need him, which is why we need each other to guide us, to help us stay strong. At the end of the day, I need you and you need me. We need each other to hold each other accountable and say, hey, is that a God in your life? Is God first in that area of your life? Because it sounds like you may be a little bit out of balance. We're supposed to do that if we love each other, to call each other out like that. So this week, make the effort to have no other gods, but the one true God, so that you can continue to grow in your relationship with him and experience the full life that only he can provide. And you say, okay, Jeremy, so what's the, what's the test? How do I know if some of these have become a God in my life? How do I know if some of these have taken kind of a back seat? Or how do I know that some of these have caused me to take, to have God 
put in the back seat. I think the best test is to go through those disciplines one by one. Have I been in God's word? If not, why? Have I been in fellowship with other believers? If not, why? Am I generous? Am I, have I been a servant? Have any of these caused God to take a back seat? Because I really don't trust God in those areas. And that's a question that only you can ask. That's a question that you should continuously take your own inventory in your life and say, am I in God's word? Am I in fellowship? Have I been a servant? You think, Jeremy, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a servant? Come find myself or Pastor Tito. We have the food pantry on Thursdays. There's lots of opportunities to serve here and even outside of here. There's tons of things in the community that we can be doing to serve others. We have needs right here in our own body at this campus that need you, that you don't know about. Come up and talk to me and say, Jeremy, how can I serve? What's some of the behind the scenes needs that some of our people have that I can jump in there? And I'll tell you, I promise you, we can put you to work because there's needs here. And then am I being generous with my time and my talents and my treasure? We, if we do some self-inventory with those things and allow the Holy Spirit to really do some surgery in us and really speak to us and say, this area right here, I need to, I need to work on because I don't really trust God in this area, which means that I've got a little God in my life instead of Jehovah God. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for, for your guidance. Thank you for your protection, Lord, your, these 10 commandments and the guardrails that you want us to put inside of our life, Lord, are not, not for control. They're for our freedom. They're for our protection. They're for our direction. Lord, let us learn this morning that the guardrails that you have put in our lives, Lord, is because you love us so much. It's like our children, Lord. We have rules and regulations and guardrails for our kids. It's because we love them, not because we want to control them, because we love them. And Father, you love us. So right now, this morning, on this day, October the 2nd, 2022, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. If there's any other gods but you in our life, Lord, I pray that you'll convict us of those right now, that we can push those aside and really focus on you really focus on your way, really focus on your plan for our lives. Lord, even though, even right now as, I, as I'm praying, Lord, I know that you are working on people's lives. You're convicting us, Lord, realigning us, straightening us out, creating a balance in our life, Lord, to where you are in control because you are our God. We love you and we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Go ahead and take your communion elements. Let's prepare for that. Take about 30 seconds and just think about your life. Take some inventory right now. The scripture says not to, to be careful in taking communion with things in your life that don't line up with God, things that you need to take care of between you and God. And so we just want to give you the opportunity to do that for the next 30 seconds. Just do some uh, internal inventory. Pray and ask God if there's anything in your life that you need to be forgiven of, if there's anything in your life that you need uh, that, se that may separate you and God, that you can kind of clean that up, take care of that. So let's take the next 30 seconds and do that.
Jesus, we celebrate you today. We celebrate what you did on the cross for us 2,000 years ago. Thank you for paying a debt that we could never pay. Thank you for paying a debt that you didn't know, but we owed. And you stood and died in our stead. And we bless you for that. We thank you for that. It's because of that that we remember. Just take your wafer. It symbolizes the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing your body to be broken for our sin. As we take this, Lord, we remember what you did. That if it weren't for your sacrifice, we would not be here today. We would not have a relationship with you today. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken for our sin. In your name, amen. Let's eat. Take your juice. Let's thank Jesus for it. Jesus, thank you that this juice represents the spilled blood of you. That your blood covers our sin, past, present, and future. That as we take this, Lord, we are remembering that the eternal sacrifice, that we never have to sacrifice again physically because you paid the ultimate penalty. We thank you for the spilled blood of Jesus. In your name, amen. Let's drink. Now, Father, I bless your people. I pray as we separate and go our, our separate ways, Lord, that you'll watch over us, protect us, keep us safe. Lord, I bless our health. I bless every marriage. I bless every child. I bless our relationships. I bless our finances. Lord, and I pray, God, that everything that we do will give you glory. Lord, I pray that everything we do makes you famous and not us. Help us to keep the spotlight on you and give us the opportunity this week to take inventory of our lives and also to share you with someone because we know that you're doing amazing things through this campus and we know that you want us to continue doing amazing things in our community by growing the kingdom. And I declare that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Don't forget, if you are staying for the Newcomers Connect, we're going to get ready for that. And uh, that'll start in about 23 to 30 minutes. So just kind of hang out here. Don't forget all the announcements that we made. Lots of things happening around here. We want you to keep coming back. Bring somebody with you. Stay connected on the app or the website. Ain't nobody listening to me in any way. I love you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>